The Vikings defense is down a player after the Zadarius Smith trade. So is it time to light our hair on fire and panic? Probably not. Let me talk you off the ledge on the Locked On Vikings. You like it on three, one, two, three. You, like it! you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day each and every day. And a, a special shout out to people who listen every day. My hashtag everydayers shout out if you can. Uh, you can find this show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, whether it is an audio platform, YouTube, or even Amazon Fire or Roku, where if you download the Locked On Minnesota sports app, you can get this show right on your smart TV. Uh, today on the show is Twitter Tuesday, which means I'm answering your questions. If you have questions for me, you can always send them to me at NFL or at LockdownVikings on Twitter. There is a Google form in the show notes that's always open, or you can send an email to LockdownVikingsPodcast at gmail.com if you have something a little longer, and I'll either answer it on the show or reply to you directly. You can even leave a YouTube comment if you prefer. Uh, you guys have a lot of panicky questions about the defense. Uh People are not handling the Zedaria Smith trade well, so let's get into some of the things uh, that I guess were really bugging you guys. The first question I'm going to answer comes from Gil Sorg, who asks, why didn't Z Smith like the Vikings anymore? So, I, look, all we can go on is what was reported, right? And what was reported was like an insistence that this was about money. Um, from like Darren Wolfson, I want to say even Ben Gessling or one of the Ask Us Vikings guys said something like that, that, that this is a money thing. And if you looked at Zedarius Smith's contract, he was crazy underpaid for a Pro Bowl edge rusher. The reason he was crazy underpaid is understandable. He was coming off of like a, a back injury season. He was coming, it was the, a very similar injury to the one that knocked Daniel Hunter out for a year and that injury can flare up again. So there's a risk factor to this. Um, and the contract kind of reflected, Hey, we don't know if this dude's going to play a full season. He played a full season. He made a pro bowl. That is, and I know he had like a knee thing. Everybody's got a, something by the end of the season. So he played the full season. He gets credit for that. I, I hate hearing people say like, he can't stay healthy yet. Yeah, he did. He played all the games. Um, and he, even in the back half of the season where people say he like what disappeared, he was like top 10 in pressures. I have no idea what you people are watching. Um, so he deserved more money. He earned a better deal. Now, I don't know if he got it. I don't know what the details of the Cleveland thing are. Um, the Cleveland like reworked contract are. We'll see what that is. But it was a money thing. And he requested his release, basically saying, hey, if I am a free agent in March, I think I can do better off of this negotiating environment than I did in last year's negotiating environment, which is true. He's absolutely correct about that. Um, the Vikings didn't want to grant him that, right? Hey, we want to keep you, right? Let's see if we can work out an extension with you. Whatever that conversation was didn't get very far, and then you start looking for trade partners, which is superior to cutting him. That is how this went down. That is all business. And outside of the possibility that he was, like, insulted by a contract offer, I don't think that there is any animosity in the situation. And even that animosity is about money. So the, the answer is, it's about money. 
It's all about, that's all it is. It's business. Uh, Jettis agent says, is the Z trade a possible result of deciding on paying him or Hunter since both were wanting more money slash guarantees? Possibly, but it's really hard to know until I like see the whole puzzle because we don't know what's going to happen with Dalvin Cook. Is he going to get traded or cut? That's different money wise. Um, we don't know what a Daniel Hunter extension is going to look like. We do know that the Vikings want one. Uh, they're trying. So we don't know what Hawkinson's extension looks like, Jefferson's extension, maybe even KJ Osborne and Ezra Cleveland. There's a lot of extending that is going to happen here in the next couple months. Uh, so stay tuned. I don't know. We, we kind of have to put a pin in that one, but it is certainly in the realm of possibility that that's the choice that they were making. My personal opinion is if they wanted both, they could have kept both. Uh, and I think the, the answer is they didn't want both, but want both bad enough. But I don't know, man. I look at what the Eagles are doing. I look at what the Saints are doing. I look at what the like the the teams that really abuse and leverage the salary cap are doing. And I don't think there's really any reason why all 32 teams shouldn't be acting that way. Honestly, the the Eagles were in void year, hell and a half with their cap last year. They just put together a Super Bowl roster, and honestly, they're contenders again. They kept it all together. Um, I, I think it's astounding that every single team in the league isn't taking everything that, that the Eagles did cap-wise, and, and they're going to start copying it. I really think that they should. It's just, it's meat on the bone. It's it's an advantage that you can go take, and there's no cost to taking it. It's just being smarter. Uh, Nolan M says, am I overreacting, or the Vikings now have the least talented defensive unit in the league? I think you're overreacting like crazy. I don't even think they have the least def talented defensive unit in the division. <laughs> I mean, if you look at Chicago, Chicago is either starting one of their two rookies, which are day two picks, or they're starting like Andrew Billings, uh, Justin Jones, who was a free agent from, from the Chargers, uh, Demarcus Walker, Travis Gibson. I mean, that defensive line, I, we still have Daniel Hunter. We still have Harrison Phillips, who's a beast. We still have uh, Marcus Davenport, whatever you're going to get out of him. The secondary, I, I'm really, really hard on. I would, I mean, I don't know, Jaquan Brisker, whatever you get out of Eddie Jackson, if you can get anything out of their young corners, I think the Bears will have us there. And then they put a lot into their linebackers, but the Vikings have a lot of excitement about Asamoa, and as much as Jordan Hicks is a pariah, he does something. I don't know. I, yeah, no, I think that's a crazy overreaction. I think the Vikings have a lot of talent. You forget that Daniel Hunter and Harrison Smith and Harrison Phillips are all, like, really good at football, and... The Vikings also expect to get a lot out of the rookies that didn't play a lot last year, like Lewis Seen and, and Andrew Booth, who were hurt. And now they kind of like Andrew Booth always needed a year. So now we can kind of place more expectations on him. We'll, we'll see where that comes. Uh, C. Woodbury says the thought of contributing something like four to five million towards Smith's 2023 compensation at the Browns is troubling. Yes. I wish the Vikings had demanded a rework of the contract to eliminate or reduce the guaranteed salary and then agreed to cut him. Uh, I'd rather have the salary space in the fifth round pick and then kind of said like, hey, if he really wanted to be cut, he would agree to that. I don't think that that's true. I don't think he would agree to that because there's just no reason for him to, right? He can just say, well, no, I, I'm not going to agree to that reworked contract just so you can cut it. I'm not going to give you money back. You guaranteed me that money. You have to pay that money out. Um, you know, un unguaranteed money is one thing, but that's, I mean, if you're going to come to me and say, hey, you know, you agreed to this deal, we're going to play hardball. I'm going to do the same to you, right? So there's there's no reason for him to do that other than like the kindness of his heart, and I don't think he owes the Vikings anything in in that regard. Um, 
I don't know how much the Vikings took on as part of this, but Cleveland didn't have enough cap space to take on Zadarius Smith's contract. So the Vikings had to take some on just to make the trade possible. I don't know what other offers there were that maybe that wasn't possible, uh, but maybe there was less draft capital or something like that. It's really hard to be like, well, they took the wrong one. I don't know what the other ones were, though. So who knows? Um, it's like so hard. Like we don't know what options they really declined here. So I think we just kind of have to lament, but it's really easy to like imagine that there was this really great other option that was available that the Vikings were just too stupid to take. And it's like, it's really easy for our imaginations to run wild there, but you just kind of have to say, all right, I guess that that was the thing. And until we find out, wow, they declined, you know, a second rounder in, in March for Zedaria Smith. That's really bad. Like if we find that kind of thing out, we can criticize uh, but otherwise, it's like, I don't know if it was better, if there was a better deal on the table, I guess they should have taken that. And if there wasn't, then I guess they shouldn't have. <laughs> and we kind of have to leave it there. Uh, Cho says, after losing so many locker room leaders this season, Thielen, Kendricks, Z, presumably Dalvin, Pat P, uh, how concerned do, well, both Dalvins um, do, do you, would you be about the stability of the locker room this year? And why do you think? Who do you think might step up to take on more of a leadership role going forward? It's always hard to predict this because I don't know how the locker room looks when the leadership figures are Alexander Madison, CJ Ham, Justin Jefferson, Kirk, uh, and then on the defensive side, Daniel Hunter, Harrison Phillips. Like Daniel Hunter as a leadership figure, I have no idea what that looks like. He's somebody that has you know taught other players and worked with with guys, and he taught he's taught offensive linemen, a lot of things like he works with players, but as a, I like, I, he's not a vocal guy. That's just not who he is. Um, and, and with Justin Jefferson too, I mean, he's a vocal guy and he's a goofball, but as like a leadership figure, he's kind of been, you know, a young guy. What does that look like with a more stern leadership role? I mean, we know the energy that he has and the effect that it has, but I don't know who steps. Maybe Marcus Davenport steps up. Maybe Byron Murphy steps up, right? Maybe these new guys come and step up. Maybe, a uh, a rookie like Jordan Addison uh, comes and steps up or somebody like, you know, Jay Ward steps up. Who knows? Uh, I, I can't really predict that like at all, but I do share the concern that like, yeah, they lost a lot of the like emotional backbone and personality of the team. Will they be able to replace this? Very good question. Hard to have an answer to it, but I share that concern. Um, I've got a lot of other questions. You guys aren't done panicking about the defense yet, <laughs> um, but We'll keep it going because a lot of these questions get a little more optimistic uh, from here on out. But hey, the 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 betting markets still have no clue what to do with the Vikings. It's really interesting. I was actually I was just talking to Peter at Locked On Packers about this. Uh, if you go to FanDuel, the and you go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On, get your no sweat first bet because first time bettors can get a thousand dollars back in bonus bets if you whiff on your first bet. You can go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On to sign up, and you look at like the division odds. The Vikings are tied for last with the Bears. And they actually have the Packers above the Vikings and Bears, and the Lions are favored to win the division. But if you look at the win totals, the Lions are 9.5, the Vikings are 8.5, and the Bears and Packers are 7.5. Isn't that bizarre? So I don't know. Whatever you think is going to happen, there's like a kind of a way to short it over at FanDuel right now. You can also go bet on baseball, um, you know, basketball and hockey playoffs are going on. The app is safe and secure, super easy to use, and you get paid out instantly. Once again, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on to get that no sweat first bet. FanDuel, make every moment more.
Thanks so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. If you want something a little bit more hardcore, if you're really in a football-y football mood and you want to watch some tape study, please go check out my Patreon page, patreon.com slash NFL. The most recent post there is 40 minutes on Jordan Addison of, of film study with some stuff that I... I worked really hard to learn wide receiver over the course of this draft season, watch clinics, talk to coaches. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy with where I'm at. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot left to learn and there always will be, but I'm really happy with where I'm at. And I think that Addison video can kind of reflect it. And uh, hopefully you can learn some stuff too. Let's move on with this Twitter Tuesday mailbag. However, uh, Connor Strunk asks with, Zadarius Smith gone. Are there any free agent pass rushers you would like to play a rotational role? A rotational role makes it really easy. There are a bunch of really interesting names at edge rusher that are still out there, like Jadeveon Clowney, Frank Clark, um, Leonard Floyd, Unique Ngakwe would be a really funny one for to see him come back into the into the fold. The edge room, the edge talent on free agency is like actually kind of crazy when it's out there. And some of these guys, like Jadeveon Clowney, signs before camp every year. It's just like how he rolls. Um, but yeah, I, I think there are still some names if you wanted to. And um, like they do have cap space this year now, assuming that they cut or trade Dalvin Cook like it's been reported that they're going to. They'll have a cap space. They're going to be at like 20 mil. That's more than they need for like draft picks and stuff. Um, now, some of that might go to extensions, which actually let's uh, the the uh, another question is from Caleb uh, Osagi, who says, do you anticipate most of our cap space? to go towards extensions of existing players or signing new players. I think some of it go toward extensions, but here's the deal. The Vikings have fewer draft picks than before. So signing the draft picks is less expensive, right? It's, it was a little bit weird when they had to sign like 15 draft picks. And it's like, Oh my God, that's like $13 million on the cap. Uh, the, it's a little different with, um, when you only have six. So that burden is, I think less than we're used to in the Rick, you know, 17 seventh round picks kind of days. Um, but, it's still not nothing. They still have to have room to sign, you know, their practice squad and top 51 and all that stuff that that adds up every practice squad guys like a half a mil and you know, you've got like 10 of them. So suddenly that's like $5 million off uh, that kind of stuff adds up on you. So you do have to have some contingency there, but not 20 million worth. So there is something again, if you want to bring in like an older edge rusher, put him on a snap count, you know, see what he see what he's got. I'm like super into that. Um, I don't know if it's absolutely necessary. Like when we signed Marcus Davenport, everybody was like, oh, okay, so Zadarius Smith is gone. Got it. And everybody was fine with that. But I think we just had enough time to get used to the idea of like this kind of three-headed rotation that now everybody's really disappointed not to have it. Um, but like two edge rushers is a normal number of edge rushers. <laughs> that, like that is the normal. Uh, it would have been super sick to have that rotation and I'm I'm definitely sad not to have it, but it's not like they they are suddenly in desperate need to get a third guy. That's not, you know, that's a luxury. Um, in terms of extensions, again, TJ Hawkinson, Jefferson, but like the amount of money that those extensions cost this year, those will cost a lot of the 45 mil they now have in 2024 because all of Zadaria Smith's 2024 money is off the books, um, which was like $24 million worth. A lot of it was funny money, but still, like they've got like 45 mil in 2024 now. Um so a lot of that is going to go toward extensions. And that means you don't necessarily have to do a lot of signing bonus stuff because, um, you, you know, you don't have to uh, spread that, that, that cap around. You can just put the salary where you want it, right? Um, so I don't know if the extensions are going to be too much of a burden on 2023. And I do think 
back of the napkin, just kind of eyeballing it, uh, that you can find a way to bring in an edge rusher if you really wanted to. Along a similar vein, Bradley Knorr asks, which extensions could cost us cap space rather than reduce it? Um, so, not not Hawkinson, because you can like convert stuff to signing bonus and get, and get his cap hit down. Probably not much with Jefferson, but I would imagine there's some signing bonus that will make him a little more expensive than he is now. But I think most of it will just be like salary and guaranteed salary. Um, and then like, you know, probably some like roster bonus trigger stuff that can basically be guaranteed salary, but it it gets paid out differently. The details aren't important for for right now. Um and then if they if they extend Osborne and and Cleveland, definitely, but n- not Hunter, not Hawkinson. And then I guess those are the ones, unless we get like a really big surprise with Dalvin Cook. Um yeah. So the 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 2020 guys that's those are the ones that could potentially add to the 2023 cap hit rather than reduce it but you net if you do all five of those guys you're probably going down net if i had to guess uh shadow flame says this is really pie in the sky but do you think we could trade for any big name players still waiting on their contract like Quinnen Williams? I like the idea of Quinnen Williams. Um I'm actually going to take this uh, in in tandem with uh, this question from Mateo, who says, with how bad our D-line is, is it crazy to think uh, Jaquil and Roy could end up being a main starter by week eight? So I don't really agree that the D-line is that bad. This is, again, like, y'all are way too panicky. It's it, they, they have some, they've got guys, man. Harrison Phillips is a beast. We all liked Kyrie Stonga, right? Like, I I think as a rotational player, he's, he's not bad. Jonathan Bullard won a starting job last year. Daniil Hunter still exists. You know, Dean Lowry... I'll I'll put him on the same level as like Tonga and Bullard right now, kind of in that, you know, these guys can rotate. So I think if you're going to project that Jaquelin Roy becomes the, uh, like a, a, an every down starter, I think you have to be pretty high on Jaquelin Roy for a fifth round pick to come in and like beat out a bunch of, you know, competition competing for a start to your guys. Um, I don't know. Like it's not the, best interior D-line in the world, but it's certainly not one where I feel like they're bereft of talent or anything like that. Like, there's guys, and it and, and they're deep, too, you know? I haven't even mentioned Asezi Otomowo, Ross Blacklock, Sheldon Day, James Lynch, all rosterable players. Kenny Willekes even almost made the roster at that position last year. Uh, Pat, or no, Pat Jones is more on the edge. Um, all of those, like, you're going to cut, like, three of those players at least, probably four of those players. And those are all players that the Vikings or somebody has deemed rosterable before. So it is a deep, deep room. Um, as a fifth round pick, Jaquel and Roy, he's not guaranteed a roster spot. You, you get a little bit of an extra kind of leeway when you're a fourth round pick. Uh, Cause you figure somebody liked him enough to poach him. If he's a, if they're a fourth round pick as a fifth round pick, eh, you got kind of got to make the team. <laughs> um, I, I think Jaquel and Roy will make the team. I, I I like him enough as a DT to like project that, but it's not guaranteed. Um, becoming a full-time starter would be a huge hit though. Like I, I think that would mean that he was a slam dunk pick and was one of those fifth rounders. That's a diamond in the rough that you always kind of daydream about getting. Um, I've got a couple more questions here. Uh, so yeah, let's wrap this one out with some of the, you guys had some weird ones, so let's do those. <laughs> Keeping it rolling with this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Thomas Power says the Vikings have a QB that PFF had top five grades in every significant category. How much better can they get if they just improve the defense? 
Um, let's see. So if we look at the offense, my question is, okay, is the offense actually basically the same? Because they're losing Dalvin Cook, they're losing Adam Thielen, they're gaining Jordan Addison, they're gaining Dwayne McBride. I feel like projecting that to just tread water, like I'd be pretty happy with that if two rookies could come in and replace two like Pro Bowl veterans. <laughs> um, that would be pretty good. So I don't know if the offense necessarily just stays the same. Uh, I feel like the offense has gotten worse, at least in the short term. And then you hope in the long term that, you know, Jordan Addison can provide something that, of course, Adam Thielen would not have provided in the long term as he aged. And same with Dalvin Cook. But um, and of course, that's, you know, assuming Dalvin Cook is, in fact, all the reporting isn't just smoke and that he is, in fact, uh, not going to be a Viking. But uh, defensively. If you improve the defense, and I know it's really easy to be like, well, they were like 31st. There's kind of nowhere to go but up. But that's never the case. Do not challenge the Vikings. They can always find a way to make things worse. They could be 32nd. That's a thing that happens to someone every year, and it could be them, and that would be worse. So it is possible. Uh, and it also is possible for that to just maybe they get uh, get worse, but maybe three other teams get worse. And you go, well, they were 28th this year, but they're actually a worse defense. Um, you know, don't fall into the rankings trap, but I, I will also say, you know, top five QB PFF grades or whatever, you're not going to find me ever really using that as evidence. Uh, I prefer to kind of come up with my own thing for better or worse. If you want to use PFF grades, that's fine, but I don't, I, I see them as a bit of a crutch. You know, you, you can really just go look up the chart and pretend you watched film, but you didn't. But if we improve, if the defense does improve, obviously, yeah, that is awesome. If the if the offense can beat a top 10 unit and the defense can be average, you've got yourself a, a good old playoff team that way. That's a lot, though, because the defense has also lost pieces. Dalvin Tomlinson, Nazadarius Smith, Eric Kendricks, uh, the entire cornerback room, right, has now been replaced. It's all a bunch of young guys. And we kind of have to say, OK, I guess we just like hope Andrew Booth is better than Cam Dantzler now. He wasn't last year. Better hope he is now. Better hope Byron Murphy's better than Patrick Peterson was last year. That that's not a guarantee. So here's the thing, and I and you know I'll I'll be a little pessimistic here. I don't. The Vikings are not a better team than they were. You know, four months ago, they just aren't. They didn't have to go this hard, but you know they're trying to set themselves up, line themselves up to build something else, and I, that's going to be the way it goes when you get a new general manager. Uh, it's, I'm not freaking out. Nobody's hair is on fire. We're going to be okay. All right. Everybody, just take, everybody take a deep breath. Okay. I don't want to panic. Just say, it's okay. Take a deep breath. It's going to be all right. <laughs> um, but they are a worse team than they were in 2022. They just lost talent, replaced it with rookies. That's unless you are slam dunking, unless everything, single one of those is a Justin Jefferson, Stefan Diggs situation, which is a rarity. Uh, you're just not going to have as good of a team. Uh, Nate Walton says, when most people bring up Brian Flores, the fr and okay, no, I, I want to keep going on that. So that I don't want that to scare you off of like rooting for the Vikings, but I'm also not going to be the kind of guy where I have to like I, I some of you can't root for the Vikings unless they're a Super Bowl contender. Um, like I, I think I get that vibe from a lot of people who are like, well, if they are just going to be kind of a middle team again and that rank everything. Uh, Vegas odds, projections, and everything, they're, they're projected to be a middling team next year. And if they're just a middling team, why would I waste my time? And my answer to that is, like, do you like football? Because <laughs> if you don't like football and you just like watching your favorite team win, then I guess that's true. I guess that's fair. Uh, but for me, I like football. So if you like football, and I'm, I'm surprised if you're listening to a daily football podcast in May if you don't like football. Uh, so I'm, I'm not I, I might be preaching to the choir a little bit here. 
uh, then you you don't you, you don't need to pin your hopes on the Vikings becoming a Super Bowl contender despite getting a worse roster just because you need to parlay like six rookies hitting right or second year players hitting. Uh, okay, moving on. Nate Walton says, when most people bring up Brian Flores, the first thing that comes up is that he's a Belichick disciple. Do you think he may have added some new philosophies after spending a year on the Pittsburgh staff and what might they be? Um, Okay, so there's kind of two parts to the answer to this. This is a great question. The Pittsburgh thing, a little. Um, He talks about how he learned a lot about weighty downs is is the word he uses, but like down and distance stuff from Mike Tomlin that will make him a better defensive coordinator, better defensive play caller, right? And understanding the idea of of this is a high leverage moment in the game, high leverage down, and we should probably change the way that we call plays accordingly, when to call a certain pressure, that kind of stuff. But he is a Belichick disciple, and the way I'm going to put this is Bill Belichick and Brian Flores speak the same language, but they often say different things. Uh, Or, you know, they're, they're working off the same menu, but they're ordering... One's ordering the soup, one's ordering the salad. Very different things, but but off the same menu and from the same restaurant where, you know, Ed Donatel is is a different place across the corner. Um, and and Mike Zimmer eats at this restaurant too. Uh, but totally different orders. The key difference is that Brian Flores' coverages are a lot more simplified. Bill Belichick will go a lot deeper into the coverage bag. Brian Flores will sort of live in a base man coverage kind of system and say, okay, it's simple, but you have to play. Uh, And that is going to allow him to be a lot more aggressive with the front and the pressure packages than Bill Belichick can be. So that's the trade-off that you're taking versus Bill Belichick. There is definitely not a better or a worse way to be there. Um, There are times when they worked together in New England and did a little of both and it worked great and all that stuff. It's just, you know, kind of different, different orders off the same menu. Um, but that's the the key difference. Flores blitzes more. I mean, that's the, the really simple way to put it. But the reason he, or because he blitzes more, or maybe to enable blitzing more, he runs a lot more man coverage, a lot more zero. Not that Belichick doesn't blitz a lot or doesn't run zero a lot, uh, but he, he goes a little bit deeper into the cover seven bag. There's a little bit more sort of quarters concepts and, um, you know, passing off and, uh, a little bit more of a dynamic back end situation, and Brian Flores is a little bit more dynamic on the front end. I guess that's the way that I would describe it. But that's not a hard and fast thing. And and both coaches, I think, have a philosophy of tailoring things to game plans and player skill sets and stuff. And it's all very flexible and loosey goosey depending on who you're working with and against. Uh, PDX Toffee says, "What are some good statistical indicators to look for as signs the defense is improving?" I mean, you could look at like EPA per play and stuff like that. Um, I guess that 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 what that makes me think about this is a good question because it makes me think a little bit about like what do I want to see from the defense? You know, last year I just wanted to see the defense improve as the year went on, and we didn't really get it because um, I was like, you know, they're learning a new system, they're learning a new scheme, a totally new way of thinking. It's gonna be tough to start out, but I wanted to see as the year went on. I wanted to see them get more used to it. We didn't get there the Vikings acted accordingly. (laughs) But with this, it's like there's a floor to this in a weird way because there is no floor. Was that confusing enough? Um, Because of how much the Brian Flores, because of how much blitzing I am projecting into the Brian Flores defense, I think they're going to send guys a lot. That means that you're always going to have this weird chance where everything can screw up on the back end of a play, but you just get a sack and it doesn't matter, right? 
But that also means that, you know, you can give up a lot of more big plays. So you're going to have a more boomer bust like statistical profile. But on the whole, you know, you play a soft zone defense and everybody screws up and you're just giving up yards all the time. You you play a cover zero defense and you screw up. You're going to have like some random times where it works out. So statistically by like EPA and stuff, I guess you just like hope that they're treading a little bit of water and that they aren't just getting like shredded over and over and over every time. The real crux here is going to be like individual coverage stats. I want to see, are, do we have corners that are playing well? Cause if we do, this thing's going to take off. And if we don't, yikes. Um, so I guess watch the corners, but corner stats are hard. So you know what? Just sign up for patreon.com slash Luke Brown NFL. And I'll tell you if the corners are playing good and I'll teach you how to figure out for yourself if the corners are playing good. Cause I don't want you to just take my word for it. Uh, Jordan Russell says, can you please explain to the general public what a trap game actually is? I hear fans on other podcasts and on Twitter calling every single game a trap game, and I'm about to lose my mind. Oh, my goodness. You must not have been there for the bit a couple years ago where I said, like, this is the game that defines the Vikings season. I might. Maybe I should make it a trap game. I, I said, like, this is the game that defines the Vikings season, and I scheduled that tweet for five minutes before kickoff of every game. <laughs> And every single game, there were people earnestly being like, yeah, this real, this is it. This is the one. Every game is the game, right? Every game is a must win. Um, every game is a trap game. It's a meaningless phrase. So, okay, no. I, here's my definition for a trap game. This is just me. A lot of people might disagree. But for me, first off, the spread needs to be double digits, all right? I don't want to see you calling a trap game when it's a 4.5 point spread, you know? When touchdown spread. No, get out of here. That's not a trap game. That's just an underdog. Um, a trap game needs to be like, oh, Vegas is not taking this seriously at all. This is a college spread. This is, you know, 13 point spread, uh, you know, the Death Star contending team versus somebody angling at the number one pick. It needs to be extreme. And then secondly, the the good team needs to be either coming off of or going into a major moment in their season. So like if they're coming off of a really big win, like the Vikings play, I think the Chiefs and then the Bears this year. So let's say they scrape out a really hard-fought win against the Chiefs, and it's emotional, and they're celebrating in the locker room, and we all feel great, and then we have the Bears game the next week, and the Bears, let's say they start out 1-4, and four, and we're going, ah, they're not really a thing anymore, the Vikings, they just beat the Chiefs, they're contenders, they're, they're favored by a ton, that feels like it could be a trap game to me. Uh, if the Bears are not a team to be taken seriously, which they're not even selling their own fans that they're a team to be taken seriously, so... That is the confluence of events. But if you're going to look like, I don't want to hear about it with the Buccaneers just because they don't have a serious quarterback. Maybe it's Baker Mayfield. I don't want to hear about it when the Vikings play against, uh, you know, the the Falcons or the Panthers or the Saints. I don't even know. Or the Packers. I guess the Packers aren't even supposed to be that good anymore. Uh, now that it's the Jordan Love show, but we'll see, right? Like, I don't want to see them go up against a team that's like four and seven. And start calling that a trap game. That's not a trap game. That's just favorites and underdogs. I've seen people call it a trap game when the Vikings like aren't even favored in the game. It's like, what, what are you talking about? What, what does that word even mean to you anymore? So I'm with you, Jordan. Uh, final one comes from CJ Hamsburner, who says, do you think Fabiano Car Caruana is going to be able to retain his momentum and take back-to-back -back victories at back-to-back -back events in the Grand Chess Tour? Um, I don't know what any of those words mean, so sure. <laughs> Uh, next, I want to get into some X's and O's. I'm like itching. I want to talk about the Jordan Addison stuff I did on Patreon and kind of bring it to the podcast. Uh, I want to get into Jay Ward a little bit. 
I want to um, get a little bit more story time going to. We still have the uh, the Everyman series going strong. I've got a couple of really good ones cooking for you there. So uh, full month, honestly, of May. A lot of stuff to get to, and we'll, of course, keep an eye on news as well. I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, skull.